0: Welcome to the Back in Action Podcast. Are you a weekend warrior, a current or former high performing athlete, or do you just have questions about what a chiropractor can do for you in a rehab setting? Here, we'll dive into the world of chiropractic and exercise rehab and how they both can be utilized to get you back in action.
1: All right. So, as you can tell, Bridget's not here today because I'm doing the intro. So, welcome back to the Back in Action Podcast. I hope I'm doing this right because I'm not really the intro guy. Um, I think this is episode 21, I believe. So we're getting up there now, um, getting around. And for today's episode, we have a special guest all the way from New York City, um, Adrienne. Uh, she's a physio down in New York City. And I mean, I'll let you kind of talk about yourself, what, how you kind of approach things and and what that looks like for you.
2: Yeah, cool. So thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, It's a big honor. Um, And uh, to tell you a little bit about my background. So I'm currently a physio or a physical therapist as we say here in the States, but uh, in New York City at Reload PT and Fitness. Um, uh, I'm pretty new to the physio role. I graduated PT school last year from Columbia University in New York. uh, But I was a trainer for a long time before that. Um, So I trained from 2006, up until I guess you could say now, um, was always interested in going into physical therapy. uh, But when I shadowed and saw what the status quo was out there, I honestly wasn't really impressed. And I felt like my work with my training clients was more productive and more in line with my vision values. Um, but I, uh, I also worked at a personal training school in New York City called Focus Personal Training Institute, uh, which is where I met Dr. Ryan Chow, um, who also taught at the school. And uh, when he was telling about me about his vision to start Reload PC and Fitness, uh, I really felt like it was a philosophy that I could get on board with. Um, so more person centered, more training based, um, more about listening to the person's story and adapting the program and, uh, the goals around the person instead of following protocols. Um, and, uh, I decided to go to PT school and, uh, so, so here I am at reload, a relatively new trainer, but, um, been in the fitness and movement
1: game for for a while yeah that's awesome and um I feel like even jumping back even before um getting into PT and just talking about like your personal training experience and kind of how that differed uh once you went into like the physio realm and like that kind of background coming from there like did you see that you kind of had a different approach to things as some of your classmates just having that background
2: yeah it's crazy you actually don't learn a lot about exercise and physical therapy school um yeah we're touted as the movement experts um so it's a pretty sad state to be honest Um, but for sure Um, my training background gave me a big upper hand one in getting into PT school but also in being able to take the fundamentals that uh, i did come away with and um, that have been very valuable, but the, to translate them through my training lens. Um, but yeah, there's honestly not, I don't think that there's any real program design and certainly not periodization or or understanding of how to take the activities that someone values, break down the demands of those activities, determine the starting point based on the key performance indicators for those activities. And then, you know, how do we bridge the gap from what they have to what they need? Uh, so certainly it was very helpful. Uh, that being said, I had to learn a lot along the way, and I'm definitely still very much a beginner and still learning a ton, uh, about how to do that better. Just trying to make fewer mistakes each day, uh, you know, and, um, Definitely feel like everyone that I've been able to learn from both within the team and also um, all of our teachers, um, like Dr. Craig Liebenson has been a huge mentor for me, obviously Dr. Ryan Chow, but we learn a lot from uh, Boo um, Derek Hansen, Marty Gallagher, we have great teachers and um, you know we're constantly dedicated to learning, but definitely very helpful to have that background. and anyone going into the rehab space whether it's chiropractic physio or otherwise um, I couldn't recommend more to get involved in training if you if you haven't already because I don't think that it's touched on in most programs for both physio and chiropractic to, to the extent um, that I understand it
0: yes yeah, very much not really touched on at all in chiropractic so I can only imagine if you're saying that there's not a lot in physical therapy, like that you're taught through that, then there's little to none for us. I know we had maybe one mediocre class about active care and it was some guy who was living in the seventies still and not up to date on his research, but like to think that he was. And I know that's something that Bridget Austin and I all recognized and kind of why we got together. Cause we all were thinking that same, that same thing. Like we want to get away from the, just the rack and crack kind of doc and, essentially treat more like physical therapists. Like we want to help people build, build strength and become like a stronger version and a more healthy version of themselves.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that gets under my skin the most is, um, at least my experience in physical therapy school is a lot of the students and now, um, you know, be exposed to more and more clinicians, a lot of current PT is not all of them really value the role of the trainer Um, and us clinicians have so much to learn from the training world um, yet this idea of being movement experts it's almost built up the ego of physio students and and physios to um, to not really understand how much there really is to learn from people who have a much greater grasp of coaching and programming and modifications and the whole nine. So um, I hope that that changes within the the education. I think that that's really the the root of a lot of it. If we're going to make an impact on future generations, uh, but really valuing the trainer's role. And that's something that I've always seen uh, Dr. Craig Levinson do so well in all of the courses that I've taken with him, which which have been many. I think I, I lost count, but. Um, in all of the courses, he really champions the trainers and and helps everyone attending, um, regardless of their role, understand um, what a big role that they play, uh, because, you know, the, the state of the world, the state of chronic disease and chronic pain and all of uh, uh, not all, but many of the musculoskeletal issues that we deal with are often rooted in either doing too much too soon or too little too late and uh having a greater value for how we can uh, address physical inactivity you know which comes down to behavior change which we're not really uh equipped to do coming straight out of pt school but that trainers often do very very well
0: yeah i definitely recognize that especially coming from the background that i think the three of us had we're all kind of that experience not necessarily to your to your level and all of that but we've had the experience in the clinics and all of that and we've seen what rehab and exercise can do for somebody so that's one thing that i know we ran into a lot in school was a lot of very philosophical chiropractic and like this is the way it is this is the way it has been so why change something and that's kind of what we're trying to do is just change it one little bit at a time and focus more on like getting somebody to be the best version of themselves essentially. And I just think that's something that we really lack but are getting a little bit better, especially in Ontario. I can't really speak to most of the states, but I definitely can see a lot more of the like the younger population coming in with a little bit better of a background, not necessarily. There's all of it, obviously some outliers, but definitely having the background in it will help like exponentially through it.
2: For sure. And I guess, you know, I think that there's value for anyone going into to movement to 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 dip their toes at least in the training world um uh, but obviously not everyone goes into orthopedic or sports or musculoskeletal based um, rehab you know there's there, there are a lot of PTs who are doing amazing work um you know in the ICU I had the pleasure of of doing a clinical ro- rotation at wall Cornell um in their medical ICU and I mean the the work that those PTs are doing is is really important. Um, so, so depending on the setting that someone's going into, um, you know, perhaps the PT school curriculum equips them relatively better than other settings. Um, but nonetheless, I agree with you, and um, it gives me hope when I see more and more of the newer generations of students and new clinicians um, having that value and wanting to learn more uh, and going out of their way because PT school is hard. Uh, I know chiropractic school is hard. They're both expensive and they take a lot of time. Uh, and so when I see this new generation going out of their way to spend time and money and energy um, to learn what's not covered within the curriculum, you know, it it, it really gives me hope that, that things are changing, to your point, one little thing at a time.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think now that we're all kind of at least trending towards, you know, more people using movement and exercise within their, um, programs with clients and patients that things are starting to get better. Um, but I think now people are starting to realize that, you know, everyone, or at least most people are starting to move on to that exercise portion of it. But I think people are starting to realize too, the, the importance of communication and something that i really uh really valued and like even just seeing some of your content is the stuff that you guys do over at reload um and especially with that like two hour initial that you guys have talked about so i was wondering if you could just tell some of our viewers just what that looks like and how did it come to be like a two hour initial like where did that kind of come from because that's definitely like kind of against the norm of both probably cairo and uh physical therapy
2: yeah um i agree so to to tell your listeners a little bit about um, how we run our evaluation so yeah we we block off two hours so we have up to that amount of time i'm uh, notorious for using all that time and often going over if i have that time never feels like enough but um to start, we spend a lot more time in the interview than most people have um, the the capability to just given the constraints of their setting. Um, So it really varies, we we spend as much time as we need, especially on that first day, but always, Um, there's nothing more important that we're going to accomplish than hearing their story. Otherwise, the plan won't make sense in general and it definitely won't make sense to them and so in order for us to connect the dots and impact behavior change and really give them hope um, that them coming to us is going to be different from their prior experiences in many cases um, we have to really listen and when they feel like they've said everything we ask what else um but um you know maybe we spend 45 minutes plus in the uh in the interview it does vary um some people have a really rich history and we we have to take our time um but through that process we're understanding um you know what do they what are they hoping to get out of that particular session what would make the eval successful for them um but also what are the goals what are the Uh, demands of the activities that they need to get back to. So if they want to get back to running, we understand that runners need to have good single leg balance. Uh, Essentially, we're alternating from balancing briefly on one leg and then balancing briefly on the other leg. And so we want to understand how their single leg stability is. Uh, We want to understand how their single leg strength is, how their shocks and springs or their elasticity is, and also some key Uh, the capacity of key muscles for running for example the the quads the soleus and so on Um, but we're we're getting an idea we're gathering information about what we need to take a look at what are the hardest things that they've um, already uh, tested out themselves essentially Um, but also the other psychosocial factors any obstacles um, any fears that they have which is a, a big part of what what we want to address in general SPTs at Reload. uh, We want to understand where they might need reassurance, where they might need to understand um, that, um, where we may need to confront fears like uh, believing activity is dangerous uh, or that hurt equals harm. And uh, what's our best plan of attack, so to speak, uh, for addressing that if it's appropriate on that particular day. Um, But we're also building the relationship because if we're going to make an impact, oftentimes we have to have very difficult conversations. Oftentimes we're trying to break down strongly held, but unhelpful beliefs, and we can't really be in a position to do that as strangers. Um, We need to guide by the side. We need to establish a strong relationship um, in order to to uh, have a chance at making a a meaningful impact. Um, But then we, we wanna we wanna watch them move. We wanna explore movement with them. Um, so that will vary based on the person, but their story often guides what we look at and um, what our starter plan or their safe starting place is coming out of the first session. Um, but yeah, it really does. Uh, it, t- it really does take two hours. Um, and I and I understand that in most environments, um, clinicians are not in a place to spend that much time. But at least understanding the value of um, of really hearing their story and tying uh, the assessments and um, whatever the plan is to their specific. uh, Sorry, my dad was calling and it just overtook my whole (laughs) situation. Um, but, uh, I completely lost my train of thought.
1: good you were just talking about like the other, other clinicians and, you know, like I kind of feel like that because I'm in a setting where I'm kind of maxed out at about an hour for, uh, my initial, but even with some of the things you mentioned, like really making it a thing to kind of like build that rapport with the patient, like learn their story because it's not always... And hardly is it ever just about their pain, right? It's about like, what is that pain like preventing them to do? Because like, there's always kind of like an underlying cause of like, okay, like I can't go running and like, that's, that's my passion or like lift weights or that's my passion. And so like, I feel like there's always more to their story than just the, the soul pain of uh whatever's going on
0: yeah exactly like just to piggyback on that i think we get caught up a lot of the time in treating the condition and not treating the person that's one thing that's like even in the short amount of time that we've been at it like i've fallen victim of it like i get something in my head immediately and it's like okay this is what they have and then i totally just go off on a tangent and don't really address that person's needs and that person's wants Get so caught up in oh this condition this treatment not this person this treatment
2: yeah absolutely um, i think you nailed it there and unfortunately um given the prevalence of chronic pain a lot of that's rooted in just giving non-evidence-based care telling people um things that lead to unhelpful beliefs um things that make them scared to move for example um so it's oftentimes the clinician Maybe the physio, maybe the surgeon, whoever um, that's telling them something that ends up impacting um, the way that they move forward with their lives. The doctor says, uh, don't do any more squats, don't do any more lunges. That's the that's the solution that people are presented with. Um, but we all have to get up and down off the toilet. We all have to, you know, do what we need to do. And um, uh, and we need to be prepared for that. Uh, you know, uh, Tim Tim Gabbett Sports scientist says it's not the activity that breaks you down it's the activity you're not prepared for so we have to prepare people um no no squats and no lunges is certainly not a not a solution people have their activities that they value or that they um that they need to get back to and um it's i think it's our role to to help them figure out a plan to do that
1: yeah that's huge and I f- i feel like As practitioners, it's almost like our most important role is just giving people the permission to move because there's so many other people and so many other things out there that are always constantly telling people to avoid movement, um, like stop doing this, like that's dangerous, like you're putting yourself at risk. So like our, our biggest thing that we can do is try and change that narrative and change those people's beliefs because there's so many stuff, other things out there that is kind of like fighting those things.
2: That's awesome, Austin. Um, the re- the reassurance piece is huge, and um, I'm just recently um, gaining a uh, greater value for what reassurance really means. We, uh, our team reviewed a paper by Gilletta Belton, um, highly recommend, happy to send it over, uh, but she really breaks down, um, you know, what does, what is good reassurance? Um, and uh, i I had never seen it broken down in the way that that she explained it. Um, grateful that that Ryan shared it with our team, um, but it looks at the different components of reassurance. And part of what makes reassurance not helpful is when it's generic, when it's just like uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be fine. It's okay. I've seen this before. Don't worry about it. Uh, but that it's not rooted in understanding. Their experience, their lived experience, um, and also why you know it's okay, uh, right? Doing a thorough screen for red flags and 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 stress testing through your movement exploration to understand what are the movements that are um, that are going to be helpful at this stage. Um, but I love how you phrased it: giving them permission to move because sometimes uh, sometimes that's that's everything. Sometimes people leave one session, whether they end up coming back in the future or not. And if if they've taken that piece away that's safe to move and that um and that that's the number one recommendation, then we've made a big impact in in the trajectory um of their of their rehab.
0: Yeah, and that's one thing that I've started to really implement. It's like just like assuring them, like, it's, it's okay. Like you can do things that people have maybe told you to rest it or don't do those things. It's like, I've been a big proponent on like, I need, like you need to move because I'm not going to be with you 24 seven. So I can't be there to fix your, your problems. Like you have to be the one taking control of the things that you want.
2: Yeah, so giving them some some ownership um, within the the rehab plan, uh, not wanting to foster d- dependency, but empowering them to um, to learn, to learn to rehab themselves. Yeah, that's great, Connor. Education is such a huge piece. Um, and, you know, I see it in the in the I've seen it for many years in the training world, uh, but also in the PT world, uh, this idea that there it's almost infiltrated. This dependency that's faster, um, which for trainers means they have a long term client. If you don't prioritize building up someone's self efficacy and educating them and empowering them to do more on their own, um, when there's so many people who need help. And um, even though I, I understand, I get that mentality. Um, of you know trainers as in this example needing to pay their rent pay their bills and so wanting to make sure they have enough clients however there's so many people billions and billions of people who need our help um so um education um, empowerment uh to your point connor um you know teach people to to help themselves
1: yeah i think that's a huge thing and i mean something that like, I mean, why we're all advocates of movement too is just because like we've seen the percentages and the numbers that of people that don't move on a daily basis and aren't meeting those recommended uh, weekly totals. Um, and that's something that we touched upon a lot in Craig's courses and, and other courses that I've attended to too. Um, but even just talking a little bit about that and kind of working with a client that maybe isn't used to, your guys approach in terms of like moving um and kind of maybe more coming to you guys maybe expecting more of a passive experience or do you get a lot of clients that are like that
2: yeah we're very lucky in that um you know we we get a lot of people coming to us through referrals and um instagram has been a major source of um new people coming in Oftentimes, people are coming to us because they've tried a traditional mill clinic, um, and they've not had success. They've not felt like um, they've really been heard or that the the plan is really progressing, um, or that it really is moving the needle to getting them more prepared for those activities that they want or need to get back to. Um, so oftentimes people are coming in expecting to move the other big piece of that is the environment so we're very lucky to have a beautiful gym space in union square in manhattan Um, and if you walk into reloads facility you really can't tell who's a trainer who's a physical therapist so when you walk into that environment versus a clinic where it's a bunch of tables, which, where it's a bunch of um, modalities and whatnot, um, it changes people's expectations. So more often than not, uh, people are coming in and they're expecting to move. There are some occasions um, where people might be expecting as, as a component, um, some, some passive care, uh, and you know, that may or may not be a part of their initial plan it may or may not be appropriate, uh, you know, it's n equals one, but um, we're very lucky in that most people that come in are are expecting that that um, movement is going to be a part of the plan.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Connor, do you got anything there? Or?
0: Uh, no, I mean, it's hard to build on something that's like as powerful as that statement. So that's, yeah, that's something that you're definitely going to It's one of those things that I'd love to see is like, you can't tell who does what it's because everyone's still got that. They have that same mindset and everything. We always come back. Everything always comes back to mindset. They're always looking to do the exact same things for that person. And that's something that I don't think we get enough of. There's too much, like too much of a power discrepancy. We'll call it that people think, oh, I have these two letters, this, but you don't have those two letters, so you can't. And more of working like just a cohesive unit, because you're all looking for, you're all out of the patient's best interests.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We don't want people to be in this state of rehab purgatory. We want to show them not just, you know, we talked about establishing their stay starting place from day one, but um, where are we going to? And what are the benchmarks along the way that we want to accomplish? How are we nudging things up week by week? um, to, to inch closer toward that goal. Um, but yeah, hundred percent, all of our physios, um, have training backgrounds. Um, and so it, it's really helpful in, in integrating this in a way that, that makes sense for real progress, real adaptation over time.
1: Yeah, definitely. And like, I mean, like we said, like we all kind of have the training background as well. And like, is definitely very valuable when it comes to working with people, um, on a daily basis. But the one question, or I guess the last question I had for you was, I mean, a lot of the, our listeners are either fresh out of school, like just getting into practice or even just still in school. So I was wondering if you had any advice for like a young Cairo or a young physio or trainer, anyone who's just kind of getting into this healthcare profession, um, what would it kind of be? I know that's kind of a loaded question, but um, looking back, like if you could give any advice to your, to even your younger self when you were just getting into the, to the healthcare scene.
2: Um, yeah, stay open minded. Um, be willing to update your priors, as uh, as Craig likes to say. Mm-hmm. Um, growth mindset, constantly learning. Um, You know, find find good teachers, find good courses um, and and always be be open uh, to to learning and and, and doing things better than you did before, Um, but also find mentorship. Find someone that you trust and that you respect and. um, Be very open to real feedback. Be very open to someone who um, is qualified to give you feedback from a clinical standpoint, from a communication standpoint. Um, you know, someone who is on your side for professional growth um, and that that cares about you as a person. Uh, but I think that that's been huge. I've been very privileged to have great mentors um, in. Ryan Chow and Craig Levinson uh, and I definitely wouldn't have the the mindset and um you know my my current knowledge and skill set which is constantly evolving but I feel like they've set me up for success to um to keep getting better and and you know doing my best <laughs> so so yeah I think those things staying open keep learning keep taking courses be a, be a learn it all, uh, but find, find great mentors to, who deserve that title.
1: Definitely. I think that's awesome advice, especially for anyone kind of getting into that field. Cause even for myself early on, like that's kind of where I felt found the most help is through good mentors and, um, following people that like, you know, um, have kind of been through it even before you too, so they can kind of help you through things as well um i guess before we like sign off did you want to give a shout out to your kind of like instagram handle or where people can find you if you're if they're in the the new york area
2: absolutely um my my instagram is at dr.adrian lufkin um and uh reload is at reload.pt um and yeah happy to happy to chat if anyone has any questions feel free to send a dm i um, always happy to hear from, uh, from you guys and, and help any way that I can. If you're in New York city, definitely reach out. would love to have you stop by, uh, meet the team, see, see the space and, um, get to know a little bit about you if, uh, if you're ever in New York. So definitely reach out.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Adrian. We appreciate you coming on and, and dropping some knowledge and, uh, just chatting with us.
2: Thank you very of much. Of course, Thanks Austin. Thanks Connor. It was a pleasure.
1: Yeah. Thank you. All right. I guess I'm doing the sign off too. I forgot about that. Um, (laughs) Thanks again for listening, everyone. And uh, I don't know what we have in store for the next episode, but uh, we'll let you know, keep you updated on our, all our socials. So uh, look out for that. And uh, thanks everyone for tuning in.